Welcome to another episode of Talking with Kevin and Son, brought to you by RMK Productions and Ten United, the podcast network, and coming soon, RMK Productions TV. Through the power of story, our mission is to uplift through the power of your voice to share stories and experiences and perspectives using the framework of teaching, learning, and modeling. Our purpose is hope, helping other people every day. And today I have two extremely, extremely special guests that just happens to be authors. I have author Lisa Sanchez. She has a book, Looking for Love in a Garbage Can. And we'll talk about that. And I have her partner in crime, which they are doing a book tour, Miss Lori Gentles. And her book is Oh Slap, My Choice Determines My Destiny. Now, I want my listeners to understand. I want you to dig in, prepare to dig out. I want you to put your story into Lisa's and Lori's story, because we're going to show you through conversation and through our actions how to break free of your past, how to forgive those who have hurt you, and how to create a pathway to inspire you to live a more fulfilled and dy dynamic life. I want to introduce you to two very special people that I've become friends with in a very short period of time. I love authors, so anyone that can put ink on page one and tell a story to make a difference in someone's life is going to be a lifelong friend of mine. Lisa, Lori, in no specific or um, particular order, welcome to Talking with Kevin and Son. Thank you, and we appreciate your having us here today. Well, I appreciate having you guys. Now, I know that you guys are doing a, a, a book tour, and you guys came together, I don't know if by accident or on purpose. Before we, we get into to asking some of the questions our listeners are, are going to want to ask, and before we talk about your book, you guys are both in, in, in California, and I'm on the East Coast outside of Philadelphia. Are you guys childhood friends? How did you guys come together? Lisa? You want to take that, Lisa? Sure, I'll take it. So Lori and I, by day, are human resources professionals and executives. And we met about 12, 13 years ago in a human resources job in higher education. And I saw her there looking sad and I had to go rescue her. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's not always people of color in the same space, right? And so right. we just connected and never left each other. Even though we left those respective jobs, uh, we've come, we're st still together. Yeah. yeah. And Lori, you agree with that? Or do you have a different version of the story? Because I, I know what it's like to be in a partnership one, one sees it one way and the other sees, sees it the other way, because I know you told me you rescued her. <laughs> exactly. You weren't supposed to say anything. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I'm originally from Arizona. I moved to California in 2004 and in 2008, I took a job in higher education where I did meet Lisa um, at a, a conference or at, a, at an HR event. And we were just simpatico. We just connected and we developed a, a friendship and we both shared dreams, you know, our dreams for our future and uh, they aligned very well. And so years later, fast forward 13, 14 years later, we both have uh, at least accomplished several of our dreams. And one of those dreams was publishing a book. And here we are. So we both had that dream years ago and we are here today. And so, yeah, it's been really good. And, and I like to say that we're partners in good. So versus partners in crime, because we are out on a mission to do some good in the world, similar to what you just stated in your opening remarks about hope. I love that. I love that word, hope, giving people kind of a, a lifeline uh, when they feel that they're stuck. So and, and, and that's a place that right now that people don't realize. And I'm going to I'll talk about COVID all day long because COVID um, pulled back the, the secret to our truth for, for many of us. Many of us have found out that um, the children we had in, in, in our lives that we brought into the world, we had to be parents. Many of us um, found the, the conversation that 
we were having in our in our head um, about what we wa wanted to do or what we could do when we had time, we got called on it. Some of us had a call to action and did things about it. And other people just got the phone call and never picked up the phone. Yeah. And then many of us did what you guys did. You, you found a, uh, a space in your heart and your mind and you put it down on paper because you, you realize that your experiences, that neither one of you were alone. Each of us have a book that's out and we have one common thread, our actions and our choices. And your, your book is either going to resonate with someone or going to scare the living crap out of someone because we all believe that our story is original. And the only thing that's original about any of our stories is that the players, the location, and the timing of each event. The one thread that we have that's consistent is how we react to those decisions of those choices that we're faced with. So I don't know when you guys are doing your, your tour, if you have to push Lisa out to the front of the stage to talk about her story, because I connected with your story because your story is not much different from mine. Your father and my father um, are not much different. You know, like I said, the characters played a different role, but the outcome of the story and, and the end results and the effect had the same. And Lori, um, I've had a personal conversation with friends that have shared your story. So Lisa, let's begin with you. Um, give us a little I I idea, not necessarily your book. Let's talk to Lisa, uh, the child growing up with a, a father. I think you said Cuban. You have from Ecuador. From Ecuador. Let's talk about that. Yes, I, like a lot of people, have a story. And yes, my past was difficult, but I don't like to focus on that. Like a lot of people growing up in an alcoholic environment, you go through obstacles, challenges, difficulties, because the alcoholic is having a reaction to, I guess, a disease, if you will. And so I've just had to figure out a way to navigate my life's journey through all of those, what I call drunken episodes. And through the eyes of a six-year-old child was when I recognized that something was different in my house. And you don't know what it is until decades later. And so with that, I had to really find a way to dig in and understand what was happening not only as an individual, but how to navigate just being an adult. And so there came a time when I just had to have this awakening or reckoning that it's not my father that I have to keep blaming for my woes and for my difficulties, that I have to take responsibility for me. And that's when I decided to go on my journey of healing. So I don't know if you want me to expand about all those gory details. I don't like to sort well, of uh, we're, we're, we're not, dwell on it. No, we're, we're not going to dwell on it. We will probably get to bits and pieces of it, but you did a very good job of um, opening up the door. And now the door is open. We're going to uh, open up a couple of windows and allow Lori's um, story to circulate. Sure. So my story, I mean, I too grew up with an alcoholic father, but that really wasn't my story. My story was the uh, verbal abuse that I got and the negative messages that I got in my family um, um, as a child. So I am the seventh child out of eight children, so big family family of modest means, dad an alcoholic, mom trying to do the best that she could, raising all of these kids. Um, when uh, I was born, um, I am told, and I have, I have heard from my siblings and I've been told you know, directly that there's a five year break between number six, my, my youngest brother and me, seven. So, at six, my mom thought, okay, I'm free. Five years without you know, being pregnant and all of a sudden here I come. And life was already hard. And so I was told that I was not a welcomed child, not a wanted child, et cetera. And I saw those, um, 
you know, those messages come out to me directly when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. My mother would say those things directly to me. Well, I had a grandmother that was superstitious and uh, just a, a lovely, chubby woman. Uh, and I, I, I describe her as she smelled of bleach because she used to clean people's homes for a living. And uh, so, but she would always tell me that I was special because I was the lucky child number seven. And seven is supposed to be a lucky number, a holy number, et cetera, et cetera. So she kind of instilled in me that I was going to be something and do something because simply because of my birth order. And um, even at an early age, with all of the negative messages that I was receiving, I chose to hold on to that one message from my grandmother uh, that I was that I was special and uh, she couldn't wait to see what I was going to be. So, of course, if my grandmother couldn't wait to see what I was going to be, I needed to live up to that. And so I was the first generation uh, person uh, to go to college. So the first person in my family to go to college. Um, even today, my siblings um, have not received a college degree. Um, and when I went off to college, some of those negative messages perpetuated. My family was both proud, but they were also negative in saying, I thought I was better than everyone else. You know, I went off to college at 17. I was excited about all, you know, my head just exploded with all of the things that I was learning. And I was coming back and sharing that, right? Happy to be growing and sharing information. But to my family, they thought I was better than everybody else, that I was acting better than everyone else. And so I started to shrink. I started to play small. It was not worth my effort to blossom. And so I played the small game for a very long time uh, until I realized that, no, I, I have a, a, a God-given talent that should blossom and I've got to push those negative messages aside. So that's just a little bit about me. And it was a journey of, of blossoming, if you will, and deciding that I was not going to play small any longer because of fear of being criticized by people. And see, and, and this is the reason why of listening to both of your, your stories, the reason why I said there's no such thing as an original story. My journey it's, it's itself and many, probably many of my listeners will tell you, especially if you've been someone successful, the dots started to align themselves when you were six, seven, eight years old. The dots started to align themselves with people that were telling you what your futures are, were going to be. Sometimes we were distracted by that message by, tell, by people telling you what you're not going to amount to. You know, I too shared the same experience at, at eight or nine years old in the third grade. But I had someone, my Uncle Bill, that told me, I got to get the world ready for you. The world is not re ready for you. I got to go out and get the world ready for you. And although as a youth, I was probably making uh, choices that weren't popular to my upbringing, but you know, it's just like you, Lisa, when you said that you don't want to talk about the negative because that's not important because the outcome is what is the result of, of that that message that you were getting early, early on. You know, everyone who read my book said, "Oh, Kevin, I feel so sorry for you." Going, why do you feel sorry for me? My father was a happy drunk. You know, it's a disease. It, mm -hmm. it was a mental illness. And it was something that when we were growing up, uh, the symptoms were overlooked because it was socially, socially accepted to go out and just have a good time, especially amongst our people. And when I look back at it and talking about the, uh, the conversations of historically taught behavior within our, our people, the same way that a system poisoned and intoxicated the Indian population with alcohol, our escape had to be through a bottle. And a lot of times the results of that depend on your genetic makeup. The re results were sometimes horrendous and was devastating and not only self-destructive within, within the individual, but in the family di dynamics. But you two are examples of why we, we write books. You two are examples of why your story needs to be told. You two are examples of what my grandmother said if you do something that is so empowerful, that will empower other people, 
Other people will stand in line to pay to hear your story. I, Lisa, I want to ask you, and you're going to help a lot of people, and Lori, I'm going to ask you the same question. How did you break free from your past to become who you are today? I will first start by saying it wasn't easy. Nothing worth, you know, uh, the, the struggle sometimes is necessary to get to the other side. The way I broke free actually took decades. It wasn't until about 12 years ago when I showed up in yet another relationship broken, but didn't know that I was so fractured and broken from childhood trauma, from how I grew up in my environment. I just went years and years and years just thinking it was the other person. And that moment when this man broke up with me really was my breaking point because I had to look myself in the mirror and say, what is wrong? What is going on here? The common denominator was me. And so I, I went to see a therapist like I had done throughout all of my life. Seeing a therapist is not embarrassing. People should not feel bad about that. I went to see a therapist who said, that relationship that you were in, that relationship that you wanted so badly was yet another abusive relationship. I was being controlled in a way that was not healthy for me. And over the years, the cure for breakup was finding the next replacement. At this point, I chose me. I chose not to enter into another relationship. I chose to heal myself from the inside out. And this therapist really put me to work. I was journaling and writing and discovering and getting to know me, understanding my journey. I started reading books. <laughs> I started meditating, praying, everything I could possibly do. But the moment I decided to forgive my father was that true healing space for me. Forgiveness is freedom. Never let ill feelings about people or your circumstances take up residency in your heart. And so I had to cleanse my heart, free myself from being stuck in the past, stuck in blame, stuck in shame, stuck in hatred for my father. Once I went through that process, it was like a caca moment. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was so freeing and liberating and self-empowering. That's Listen, how I broke free. That's all right. That's amazing. It's amazing. And I, and I hope that whoever's listening to this right now, you're sitting down. And you're, you're taking this like uh, a sip from a vintage wine. Don't allow the conversation that you have just to rest on the tip of your tongue. Let it roll back into the back of your, your throat where all your senses and all your flavors are. And then swallow and then exhale. Lori. Yeah, so <clears throat> mine is a little bit different. There wasn't one point it was kind of an evolution first of all let me just say i believe in nature and nurture so i do believe people are born with a certain personality and a certain you know propensity for certain things and a certain gift or genius i think that just over the years and over time as i said those messages because you're getting so many negative messages of what you can't do they drown out but if you really just peel all that back and tap into your spirit, you were born, you know, to do something. And once you find that, you know, it's going to find its way like a like a like a, a, a plant coming through the a rugged you know, terrain. It will find its way through. I, that's what I believe. So I think that that's what happened to me. It was I feel like. I was born, I, I, I believe that I have a certain personality that will challenge the status quo, that will, is always seeking for something better, that, that kind of intellectually knows that there's something bigger and better, even if emotionally inside, 
I feel inadequate because I felt inadequate quite a bit. I felt not capable. I, I, I had low self-esteem. You know, I doubted myself. So it's that yin and yang. It's that pull between the negative, but no, there's something better, but no, it's not for you. But yes, it is, but no, it's not. So it's that kind of thing. So I lived an imposter syndrome for a long time. I basically faked it until I made it. Um, and so I listened to my um, grandmother. So that was a small voice. But then I also watched other people. You know, one of the things that I say, particularly for young people that are growing up in an environment that's very closed, that looks hopeless, exposure is key. And so I started to see other people, either like me or unlike me, but I saw them go, you know, talking about college and talking about this and talking about their future, which wasn't a part of my upbringing. And so I would see that and then mimic it, see it and then mimic it, even though internally, you know, I really didn't believe it. So when I went off to college and I was, I was young, I was only 17, moved away from home for the first time, you know, in my life. So I was away from family and really got immersed with people that had a completely different upbringing than I did. And it was almost like an immersion. And so that's when I, Lisa talked about forgiveness. That's when I said, you know, I need to also forgive people in my family. My father was an absentee father. I heard negative messages about him the whole time. I took it upon myself to go to him and build a relationship with him and, and forgive him and tell him that I loved him for the first time ever in my life at 17 or 18 years old. He, he didn't even know what to say because it wasn't something that was used in our family. So because of my enlightenment, if you will, going to college, being exposed to differences, I said, let me take a step out here. I heard other kids my age talking about, I love you, you know, to their family and having a close-knit family. I didn't have that. So I mimicked that as well. So I started to say, I love you in my family, which wasn't heard of and made people feel very uncomfortable. Today, it's very comfortable, but back then it was not. And I think that that was part of my breaking free. It's like, wait a minute, I have, my, my family's not saying it to me, but it doesn't mean I can't say it to them because I want to feel good. I want to do the right thing. And that was a breakthrough moment for me. It's like, you don't have to wait for your parents, even though you think that they should. You don't have to wait for them to come to you. You can heal the relationship. You be the bridge. And once I did that and saw that that worked, it just I just started to do it in every aspect of my life. So. Well, let, let let me say say this because both of you guys you know when i say the ties that that bind you know we have to realize and for our our, our listeners is that as parents and i and i'm taking both of you guys are parents correct i am are you i was just i just dropped out of the sky okay you just dropped out of the sky well anyway <laughs> from you know my coping skills with, with with my dad i look back at my grandfather they had an eighth grade education that took care of his family he smoked, but he didn't drink and have it, which killed him. I looked at my grandfather's father and he was one generation removed from slavery. And then I looked at a pattern of behavior because my father never hugged me. He never, and he only shook my hand is because he was taught that men weren't supposed to do that. And so when I start to make sense of what a man was to be to another man or to a younger man, I, I realized that at some point, like the two of you guys, you had to break the cycle, okay? Acknowledging that the fact that your parents probably did the best that they could with what they knew how to do. And the fact that you grew up and because of your circumstances or the people you were surrounded. And, I, and, and just listening to your story, I'm gonna tell you, you probably had the same messenger that I had in me, is your gut was telling you, you deserve more out of life. And even though that these obstacles kept um, showing up at unopportune times, your gut kept telling you there was more out there for you. And for those of you guys that are listening, I, I need to tell you, 
if you look in the Bible, God tells you to trust your gut because he's sending you signs. And we happen to, to um, I used to have 20-20 vision. We happen not to see the signs unless someone paints a big billboard that says, Lisa, Lori, pay attention. This is where you need to go. Coming from a large family, you get a great education outside of the government education. Your brothers and sisters and friends that are older than you have all gone out and paved the way and made some mistakes that you said, I'm not going to do that. And sometimes we decide to go ahead and says, it looks like fun. Let me go through and I'll do the same thing. And then you realize it goes, I knew it was coming. Your gut's already told you that. It's so true. Yeah. My gut throughout my journey, my gut was always telling me there was something better on the other side. There was something better on the other side. My, I ended up having my son at 19 years old. And I remember my father saying to me, you will never be anything in life. And that, that those words and that look on his face of disappointment. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't know who you think you're telling that to. Well, are, are <laughs> not you this, by, not this kid. <laughs> are, are you bilingual by any chance, Lisa? Not totally fluent in Spanish, no. <laughs> well, yes, yes, you are. Because I, I want to tell you uh, perception interpretation. When someone... <clears throat> excuse me, when someone tells you what you're not going to be, mm-hmm. all right, perception, interpretation, they are now outlining your future and where you need to go, okay? Because if you look at or, or read, a lot of successful people have been homeless, lost everything, have been divorced, have been rejected by society, have done something or have someone tell them, you're not going to amount to much. And guess what? Lisa Sanchez, author, looking for love in a garbage can. Lori Gentles, author, oh slap. My choices determine my destiny. I bet they didn't see that coming, did they? Did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. But you see something ahead for yourself. And that's where our message of self-empowerment comes into play here. That is what our platform is you steer your course, not the words of someone else, not the abuser, not the alcoholic, you steer the course. And it's hard, but you can do it. You can do it. Now, let me and ask you, I, go ahead, go ahead, Lori. I just wanted to add something on about gut because that is so important. And I say gut, AKA spirit, It's your divine intelligence that I believe we all have as human beings, as intelligent beings. And one of the things that I talk about is making I choice, which stands for intelligent, intentional, inspired individual choice. And there's a spiritual element to that. That's why I wanna bring this out because the first I, intelligent choice is not just making choices and taking actions based upon what you see or what you hear, right? It's also based on, the reason why it's intelligent is because you also take in the spiritual component. So it's both assessing the external world, the external physical stuff, but it's also tapping into that internal spirit because your spirit knows, your gut knows if we could just turn down that, you know, noise that's drowning it out and let that volume speak a little bit louder. So I just want to say that because it's so important because we make choices based on fear. We make choices based on emotion. We make choices based on laziness. Someone that told me to do it, so I just did it. I didn't think it through. And where we want to get people to do, to add is to be empowered, to make choices that are intelligent, that are divinely intelligent, that will guide people to, to their destiny or guide people to, to that greatness that they were meant to be. And, and, and that's kind of the message that, you know, that's part of our platform as well, is this lifting, <laughs> lifting people up so that they can live the life that they're supposed to live. Amen. And you actually left off one choice um, in that. You, you left off the, the choice 
that grants you permission within yourself to give up on yourself. And that's the reason why people wake up the same day and it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. The same thing, (laughs) the same results. Yep, yep. But based on those choices, you too. You know, I, I hear conversations, especially around Clubhouse, when they talk about high valued women and high valued men. And you two are extremely beautiful, articulate women of color. You, you represent the epitome of what a woman should be in our, our place. And I hope that you guys have men that value to support um, and protect and encourage you and allow you to take center stage. That's my, my, my blessing for, for, for the two of you guys. But I also know that no one can do this one thing alone. I started RMK Productions with my two good friends that I had never met. And we met via COVID through Zoom, uh, Marjorie Phoenix, Raymond Porch. And we created something that we wanted to make a difference to give back. And we have a dream, you know, much like Dr. King, we have a dream to bring people together, to unite, to educate and to inspire and to make change. But both of you guys have two very empowerful, very empowering books that alone you could be successful just on your on, by yourself, each of you. And for those of you that have not gone to Amazon.com, Lisa, can you tell me how they can reach you and how they can get a copy of your book? Absolutely. The book, first of all, thank you for all of those compliments. Really appreciate that. There's so, more to come. Oh, oh, good. (laughs) Um, The book is available on Amazon. Um, Also, um, I've been sending them out personally. So if someone wants to direct message me on Instagram, you can purchase directly from me. My handle is at just dig into it. At just dig into it. Use the number two. Otherwise, the book is available on Amazon. And Lori, your book is Oh Slap. Oh Slap. <laughs> Go yes. Ahead. Yes. Oh Slap. My choices determine my destiny. And that book can be purchased on Amazon. Uh, it's also in Barnes and Noble uh, bookstore as well. It's on Kindle and paperback. And just the same as Lisa, if you want to uh, direct message me at Instagram, my handle is at we are I choice. So three words at we are I choice. All right. All right. I'm going to go back and I want to circle back to to, um, a question I asked uh, uh, earlier, Um, because in my book, I had taken my story that came from my journal from 1973 to 2019, March 1st, the last entry, 24 hours before I had a concussion and basically wiped out my uh, memory. When I was writing my book, changing uh, my journal into a working document or a living document as it speaks today in this world, one of the things that I did not realize because my mother had made a choice that was not popular to any of her children, but she made the best choice. And I learned this as an adult, not as a child. I suffered just like every other child that feels like you know they were abandoned. I grew up thinking why I was not good enough that my parents did not stay together. But you know, when you go through trying to forgive someone, I also realized I lived a life and I'd given someone control over my life that they didn't even realize they had control over. There are a lot of people that are still holding on to yesterday. They can't allow themselves to enjoy the moment they're in, the space that they're in, the partner they're with, the job that they're working for, or their social circle. They cannot appreciate what they have now because they keep revisiting Uh, a system or an environment or a situation that they have no control over. How do you teach someone? Because I know both of you guys are life coach. How do you teach someone to forgive someone that hurt you? At some point it becomes 
bigger than you, greater than you. And it comes down to the choices of how you want to live your life. Do you want to live your life every day that you wake up mad at somebody, mean mugging somebody, you know, speaking about someone in a negative way? I've had some horrible things happen to me in my life. But imagine if every day I was living that and breathing that. Forgiveness is not always for the other person. It's for you. It's for you to live your best life free from having it take residency in your heart, as I stated earlier. So you don't always forget. You know, they say, you know, forgive and forget. You don't have to forget. I think it's some of those experiences that teach you resolve, that turn you into the person that you are. It builds your resilience. Those journeys or those difficult situations were necessary for your evolution. You know, Eckhart Tolle says, life will give you whatever experiences are necessary for the evolution of your consciousness. Amen. Amen. And so the forgiveness is a decision. It is a choice that you make to not hold someone else hostage. Because when you hold them hostage, you also hold yourself hostage. And so for forgiveness is freedom. Lori, were you going to add to that? Oh, yeah, because I, there's several words that I love. One is hope. One is perspective. One is choice. One of my highest value words is freedom. And so when I think back on my life, I mean, there's a lot of people I could be mad at, right? But they don't even know you're mad at them. They're going on living their life and they're happy. and You're the one struggling all day. Right. And it's like, no. So I have a competitive spirit, too. That's that nature thing. It just, I just can't let, I can't be beat that way. So that's part of it. So having a positive perspective is a gift. And I do believe that things don't happen to you because when you believe that things happen to you, you're a victim. It happened to me. They did that to me, blah, blah, blah. You become a victim. But when you believe things happen for the making of you, like, well, it's the same thing that Lisa was just saying. This is happening. I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. But what is it molding me into? You know, it's like boot camp. How, is, how can I leverage this experience that I've had to propel me to my greatness and bring people along the way as well? So it's a mindset shift. And you have to decide that you want to think differently. And you have to, uh, you know, kind of change the neural pathways in your brain, which, by the way, I'm a big believer in brain science and changing, you know, the brain patterns. It's your, your, your brain is elastic and it can change by what you focus on and what you affirmatively speak into existence. And so that's what, you know, uh, I would say about that. It's all about freedom. It's all about I'm not going to be beat that way. I'm not going to let you live your life happily. And I'm all angry because I'm mad at you. And I'm stuck because I'm still blaming you for something you don't even realize you did 25 years ago or longer. And so uh, positive perspective, leveraging, freedom, hope, competition, you know, <laughs> for myself. Let me be the best person that I could be. And that means you know, knocking down this negativity that lives within in, inside of me. But, but, but you, you know, people, especially women, are, are going to look at this um, interview. And, and it's clearly, you know, you can look at the, your, your backgrounds and says, God, these two women are, you know, are, are, are living large. They don't know, you know, what my, my pain is going through. It's easy for them to, to speak like this because they've gotten a chance to get a college education. I had three kids um, and couldn't get to college. You know, I'm living in the hood. I, every day I take my life into my own hands. Oh, I am a mother. My husband left me for the office secretary. So it's not all black experiences that, that are, are, are negative. So it's easy to, to say, you know, and I, I know I hear it all the time. People don't know my story and I'm going, to be honest, I really don't give a crap about your story. 
because I grew up dirt poor. You know, I grew up in one of those neighborhoods. I mean, my life changed with someone shooting at me, but it's still about choice. And people have to understand that, you know, if you walk across the highway and there's traffic, chances are you're going to get hit. If you decide to go ahead and walk on the underpass where there's a sidewalk, you're probably going to get to your destination. Yep. And Pick, if I could add ahead. on to that, I, you know, that is true. People will say, well, they don't know my story and my situation is worse. And my, my response to that is start where you, it doesn't matter where you are because small steps, regardless of your circum, everything's on a spectrum, regardless of where you are, your goal is to move forward. So small steps, wherever you are, whether it's in the hood, whether you have 10 kids, whatever it is, it's your own personal journey. And that's when I, that's what I mean when I say competition. I'm not competing against you. I'm not competing again. I'm not matching myself up with anyone else. I'm trying to be a better version of me every day. And so that means, did I take a step forward? It, it's the compounding effect. So that's what I would say to people, get out of that blaming and excusing, you know, you're excusing and rationalizing your inaction when you compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, they don't have it as hard as me and they just don't understand. I deal with this all day long in my day world with people, you know, in the, in the workplace that feel like, you know, they can't advance because of X, Y, Z, or I didn't get promoted or whatever. And I say, stop making those excuses. What can you do? Take total personal responsibility to move. Even if it's a microscopic movement, over time, it compounds. And you look back and it's like, wow, I didn't realize I could get here, but I did because I was consistent. I was um, focused on me and not focused on trying to run up to you. Because if I try to run up to you and that's not my gift, I'm going to collapse. I'm going to get exhausted. I'm going to get depressed. I'm going to give up. But if I'm beating me, then I've got a little bit more control over that. And that makes all the difference in the world. Get out of the victim mindset so there's something that i i'm sorry about that go ahead go ahead go ahead there's something that i posted on my instagram and that is i used to live in victimhood i've chosen to never visit that place again again getting back to choices people who say oh my story is worse than yours you gotta just dig into it baby dig into it get dirty do the work that's necessary to work on you Otherwise, you can get real comfortable sitting in blame. Oh, it's because of the next person that I didn't get to be where I am today. Oh, because my father was an alcoholic, now you know I can't go to college. Or because I had a baby at a young age, now I can't pursue my dreams. That's all BS. I call BS. It's all about what you want for you, not what someone else is telling you you can do. And, and, and let me, let me, I put a little color on that. Let me go, just say that ahead. I call it effing BS. All right. yeah. <laughs> I call it effing BS and it stands for faulty belief systems. So get rid of those faulty belief systems. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I am, I am now in a space that most men, black, white, Latino, or any other uh, color does not want to be is with two dynamic women. Because if you were to watch the modulation and the body movement of these two young ladies as they um, drop these nuggets on you, you saw the hand going one way, the head going another way. Lisa pointed to a sign that says, just dig in with the letter to it, LLC, pointed to it, and she swaggered back and forth like there's no tomorrow. And then her co-partner came in just as the downbeat and the harmony to the song came in and she did the same thing and she dropped a gift in your lap, unwrap it, embrace it, put it on your wall, tattoo it on your butt. I'm going <laughs> to say butt because you've got to remember because I, I know I'm in the health and fitness world for some reason, you know, what used to be little is now supersized and everyone's pointing at it and whatever. I'm saying put it on it. 
because these two young ladies have dropped some knowledge on you. I'm gonna add one more gem to you and it's a little easier to put on there is education over competition. Okay, to summarize yes. what these two young ladies have just said. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna loop back back around because again, both of these two young ladies are dynamic. Both of these two young ladies has sat down and put pen to paper. Everyone always says, "How do you write a book? Why do you write? What makes you different?" All right, and I'm gonna loop around to this again because there's another question coming. Lisa, why did you write this book? It was a story that was bigger than me. I knew I had a story to tell because I could not imagine that I was the only one going through what I went through. Amen. So my story really was a mental health journey. The journey of what you go through living in this environment where you see your father so violent who's ready to kill his entire family by chasing us out of the house with a gun. Like, I, like, am I the only one going through this? No, ma'am. What is going on? And so what I really wanted to tell in my story, and I always took comfort in the written word as a kid, and so I journaled a lot. And I wanted people to understand that even though I went through all those difficulties, those drunken episodes, getting on welfare so I could find a pathway to finish college, you know, just going through horrible love relationships, not realizing that I was finding men who were just like my father. Like I knew I had a story to tell and I just wanted to help people through my story. And so it takes courage really to spill your guts into the world and I also wanted people to see that despite all of that, all of what I went through, that at the other end of the tunnel is a beautiful life. If you are ready for the awakening, if you are ready to just dig into your circumstances and do the work to heal and to forgive and that you can persevere and have resilience no matter what you're going through. I wrote this book 10 years ago, finished it at the ocean in Panama, where my mother is from. And then I dropped the mic. I walked away. I didn't want to tell the family secrets. I didn't want to tell these things that were happening in my family while my parents were still alive. And so 10 years, I let that book sit and collect dust. And then through the pandemic, we had a time to pause, to be Still, Lori had finished her book and published it. And I'm like, wait a minute, my book is still, it still has dust on it. Let me get that thing. I know I still have a story to tell. And so I hired the right people to finish off the graphics and the editing and published it. And it, it's the best thing. I'm getting messages from people who are like, thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for telling your story. You're so resilient. And it's, I realized then that it was, again, much bigger than me. And so I put that book out there. And, and I, Lori is part of that. Thanks, too. And Lori. So, gosh, um, when you start to read my book, you will see that I come right out and say, I wrote this book out of frustration. Mm. <laughs> I was frustrated. I was frustrated with myself. <laughs> having played it small and not achieved and not, you know, I talked a good game, but I wasn't doing what I know I can do and wanted to do and was meant to do. And then I was frustrated with people around me that were also the same. You know, they say that you really get irritated and frustrated with people that maybe are a reflection of you. And so I was looking at people that I'm around and they're whining and complaining and blaming and accusing and not going anywhere. And that was a draining energy for me. And I said, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to live a life of regret. And I also don't want to hear you speaking in that way. So my book is a very direct book. And I always say I'm my first student. So the book is, you know, very direct. I mean, people read it and I, you know, I kind of do a cautionary note at the beginning, like, are you ready for this? because it will slap you into a sense of reality. But that was for me. So I wrote it for me. 
almost as a, a directive to continue doing what you're doing, right? But I also wrote it for others as well because I see too many people that have a brilliance, that have a genius, that are stuck and they don't know how to get out. And in the book, I talk about ways on how to make effective decisions, how to escape the uh, mental agony that comes with indecision. Because we're all plagued with those kind of things and they keep us stuck and playing small and the groundhog day waking up and doing the same thing over and over again. And there's some real telltale signs to that. And I wanted to share with people my method in the hopes that I could liberate a nation of people. So it's a, it's a movement. It's an anti-entitlement movement. It's an anti-victimhood movement. And it's a pro, let's live in victory. Let's, let's, let's everybody, if everyone contributed just a small fraction of their brilliance into the world versus holding it back like so many of us are doing, how different would the world be? I'm not talking about big sweeping things, just one small change that you contribute to the world in a positive way would make the world a better place. And so it's, it's, a, it's a mission. Uh, and and to, my, to my listeners, I, I, I hope that you've just pulled over to the side of the road, taken a seat and un understand with every author, the reason why we all write books is because we have a story that, we need, that needs telling. We believe that our story is not original and because of our outcome, we are now laying the, the pathway for you to not experience or avoid the experiences we have. We have been there. You know, these two young ladies are amazing. Um, they're, they're, they've gotten together, they're collaborating because I'm a firm believer we can't do this one thing that we call life alone. They are doing a tour um, together. I'm gonna give both of them a chance to tell you um, how you can reach out to them, where you can find them. But I always ask this, two, I always ask these two questions. If you had one ask and it can come true, and I always say ask big, A-S-K, for those of you that are thinking, I'm thinking A-double-S something, all right? If you had one ask and I'm gonna, I've you know, gone to uh, Lisa um, first, I'm gonna go to Lori first this time. What's your one big ask? As I mentioned before, this is a mission. I'd like it to be an international movement. That's my big ask is how is, I would like to get this message out of moving away from entitlement to empowerment, moving toward Vic, Victor Hill versus victimhood to be a part of a, a movement. Because honestly, I believe that there's a movement the other way. Everyone's entitled. Everyone feels like you owe them something. Everyone, blah, blah, blah. Let's flip the script. That's my ask. And I had a dream last night that I was being interviewed by Diana Ross. <laughs> I don't know why Diana hey, I, Ross. I'm about to cut you off. You're supposed to have a dream you've been interviewed by me, not Diana Ross. I'm going to oh, you off. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Lisa, oh, what's, no. what's yours? I, my feelings are hurt. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. Well, I need I need for you to come back to the room and hear my my big dream. Yeah, bring me back. <laughs> Go ahead, Liz. If I'm dreaming big, if I'm dreaming big, I think about reaching three amazing women: Oprah Winfrey, Robin Roberts, and Tamron Hall. Those are my super heroes, and I just think that through them that Lori and I can continue to spread our message first about mental health because my book is really about a mental health journey and then really our positive platform. And specifically what I mean by that is just helping people reach their biggest dreams and their greatest potential through self-empowerment. If they just dig in <laughs> and make intelligent, inspired, intentional and individual choices, it is one decision at a time, people, one decision at a time one small step, but if I can continue this journey with Lori through these amazing women, that would be fantastic. All right, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, you guys are on tour, a book tour together. 
I need uh, one of you guys to tell us how do we reach out to you? How, how do we become part of your tour? This is the closing, the wrapping up. I want you both to say how to get in touch with you, how to get your book. Um, Lori, I've been talking to Lisa first all day long. Let's make it quick. How, tell us about this tour. How do we connect with you? Where is it at? Go for it. Yeah, so you can reach us at, uh, so we talked about our Instagram, at WeAreIChoice, so iChoice. And also, Lisa, you're going to help me out with this, our uh, Lifting and Living plat Positive Platform, LL Positive Platform at gmail.com. You can email us there. Say it one more time, slowly. LL Positive Platform at gmail.com that's how you can reach both of us all right all right all right um to our listeners and to our guests i want to thank both lisa uh sanchez author i want to also um thank Lori gentles author oh you gotta plug your book go go ahead and say it oh slap i'm gonna get let you go oh slap my chronicles determine Determine oh, my choices. Slap. Oh, slap. My choices determine my destiny. All right. And this one right here. And I like the way that you have your book cover because I always say that you throw a, a, a bunch of seeds of, um, that plant grows roses into a concrete. The one that wants to live will find a crack. It will germinate and it will grow. Looking for love in a garbage can. That's Lisa Sanchez's book. So to my listeners, we're, we're going to wrap up. Okay. We have covered so much information. And I want to go right back. Are there any professional resources in order to that people can connect looking for help that you guys can share with us before I wrap up? For me, I always like people to, if you are an employee working for a, a job that has an employee assistance program, always tap into your employee assistance program. If you are someone who is living with a loved one suffering from alcoholism or drug addiction, Al-Anon, please go to Al-Anon, get some help and talk to people who are experiencing what you're going through. Lori, anything with abuse or anything that you'd like to connect to? Uh, mine really is about mind shift. So if you just Google anything on brain science, shifting the brain, meditation, mindfulness, all of those things are very helpful. And we didn't get into it um, on this talk today, but that's a lot of the work that I did myself is just doing a lot of the meditation and the mindfulness work to shift from a negative to a positive mindset. So. And, and Lori, I just want to let you know, because we went over a lot longer than what we had plan planned to do. And I know you already said, if it goes longer that you had to go to the bathroom and I didn't want to rush you. So <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say to my guests, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this experience and you would um, share or invite anyone else to come to this platform that has a story that needs to be told because this whole platform is about people we should know. And I've enjoyed getting to know both you and Lisa and Lori. And I hope my listeners and my followers that at some point in this episode, you have been enlightened or touched in some kind, kind of way that changed you and change your view on not only how you look at yourself, but how you look at other people in the world. This has been another episode of Talking with Kevin and Son. We are a division of RMK Production and 10 United Podcast Network. Our website is www.rmkproductions.net. You can reach us at info at rmkproductions.net. We appreciate... Um, everyone, everything you had um, to offer, everything you brought to the table. I appreciate the fact that you enjoyed my humor. I have been touched deeply on levels that you can't uh, imagine. To my listeners and to you, adopt the hashtag, find 1000 reasons with the, the number two, capital letter B, kind, the number two, someone. Find 1000 reasons to be kind to someone. My grandfather always said, when you get to a position that you can help someone else, it is your duty to do so. Reach one, teach one. This is Kevin McLemore, your host, Fade to Black. <laughs>